2: So welcome to It's a Fandom Thing and to uh, our final Christian effing bail episode. I am so sad this is ending. I feel like I'm in mourning.
3: (laughs) Don't don't mourn the end. Enjoy the journey. Celebrate all the time you spent talking about one man.
2: Yeah, and watching one man. And No, it's been so much fun. I, I have enjoyed this so much and... I want to give a special thank you to Carla for going on the journey with me this whole time and being on every single one and also for bringing our unofficial mascot to life. It's been so much fun. This seriously, I I did not realize how much I liked Christian Bale until we did this. I liked him, but then I'm like, like I said, when we were recording Equilibrium, I I, I this is my dream interview now more than anyone else in the world this is who I want to interview
4: <laughs> yeah like between between binging all of his movies basically and yeah. then every interview that you could get your hand on he just seems well apart from being a fantastic actor he just seems like a really just cool guy that that you know interviewing would, wouldn't be a chore
2: yeah it would be fascinating it would be intimidating as hell but it would be so fascinating and He's just so, and he's funny and so, and not Hollywood at all. So I'm like, uh, so anyway, so Christian, remember, we love you in a very healthy way. So come on the show.
4: Super healthy and totally normal.
2: Yes. But okay, so let's get into it here. I'm very excited to talk about this when this is... Our most popular one, this will probably be the one we do a live tweet of, too. I am very excited about this. This is the most packed panel we have. I decided since it was Christian Bale month, I would make an exception and break my new rule of three panelist limit max thing. And I would allow us to have four because I wanted all of these four beautiful people on here with me. She so, let me sneak in. Yes. I was like, I wasn't going to call out who it was. She <laughs> let me sneak in. Yes. <laughs> Who glommed on. Yeah. Yeah. It was me.
3: <laughs> yes, it
2: did. But I'm very excited. But before we get to that, just a quick note that we are on Patreon right now for as little as $3 a month. I am working on the edit of the rent, the special rent episode. So that'll be released hopefully this coming week sometime. And then uh, after that, we're going to do every season of American Horror Story. And then we're also doing four letter word in uh, the summer, which is we're doing that because Mal, they are a Patreon supporter and they want us to cover this one. I'm just saying. And so you're already on (laughs) that.
3: Just don't do it while I'm away unless I'm at your house
2: recording. You know, click the link in our show notes or go to any of our social media and click our link tree and find it there. Okay, so let's go around and have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing you're into right now, Carla.
4: Hi, I'm Carla. And what I'm into right now is I am, okay, so I have this thing now that when I do household chores that require me to just sit in one place, I'm um, playing uh, the new girl as my keep me company while I get stuff done show um it's my first watch through so i'm i'm just um i'm powering through all of that zoe Deschanel because the other characters i like so there we go I love that's that my thing call in it pop culture it the new girl <laughs> you know what okay like i'm going to call it what i want because i'm watching this show and it's on my tv and it is called the new girl on my tv
3: Who's that, the new girl?
4: Who's that, the new girl? Yes. Who's that, (laughs) the new girl? Thank you for answering the the (laughs) question.
2: And we are going to be talking about new girl in May. Uh, It's going to be very difficult for me to watch this show because I have tried with this show quite a few times. I will be honest. I know quite a few of our panelists love this show that are on right now. And I've tried, it's the Zoe, it's Zoe Deschanel. It's it's just like Carla. It's, that's what, that's what is okay, hard for me.
3: I understand that. I And I totally get that. And I get behind it because she can be very grating, even to me who doesn't have like this weird anti-Zoe Deschanel thing. But the other listeners <laughs> <laughs> are so good. Like they're just, they make up for the Zoe. Okay, Meg, new-
4: listen, that's great, but she's in it a lot. Well, yeah. She's so. The, she's new the, whole and- the new girl. The whole boy. The new
3: girl
2: so I will be watching it but you know I'm just warning my panelists some of them I'm looking at them right now that you know (laughs) so Meg one of the people that's going to be I believe you're going to be on that one what are you into right now
3: right now I am into the Encanto soundtrack and also being teased about my emotional response to the Encanto soundtrack um I have yet to see this movie like my kids watched it while I was isolating cuz I I was exposed to covid and I wasn't sure if I had it or not. Um but the soundtrack has been on in my house nonstop. So I that's what I'm into just by osmosis because otherwise I'd be like, yeah, I'm watching literally the same shit I've been watching. I've been watching Castle again for some reason. <laughs> like I It kills me because I loved Castle so much when it was coming out and now I'm watching it again and I'm like, this seems kind of ridiculous. (laughs) And that makes me sad. So don't go back to your old babes, guys. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But I'm watching it and I'm like, this doesn't seem plausible. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's depressing for me. (laughs) Just listen to Encanto nonstop, relentlessly. So
1: paula what are you into i've been doing some video gaming so uh we've been playing uh seven days to die which is a zombie horror survival game and uh we have like a private server with my with my friend group and we've been we've been playing that a lot so it's it's slightly terrifying and a lot of fun
2: Awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, Christian Bale loves video games. See, there's Just a lot the of fact. <laughs> awesome
1: actors that really like video games. So I feel like I'm in good company.
2: Yes. Yes. You could play video games. With exactly. Christian. Exactly. <laughs> and Tiff, what are you into?
0: I am back on my uh, Henry Louis Gates love and uh, he does, um, his genealogical research for his guests that come on, it comes on PBS and uh, I love it so, so much. It's um, informative. It's interesting. It can get very emotional, especially for people who um, he's done, like uh, Taya Leone, her parent, her mother was adopted and he met, and they found like her mother's birth family, which is really good. So it's, uh, it's really good. Really good. so i I enjoy it it comes on once a week it usually runs like about maybe seven episodes per season so and he does two he usually does two to three people in per show per hour long show so very
2: that. interesting awesome awesome and this is aaron and it's really hard for me to i'm not really into anything else i haven't really been watching much else all i've been into is christian bale and the other stuff i've already mentioned like yellow jackets the finale please watch that show again i'm just gonna always talk about that show you're gonna get sick of it but i don't care because it's the best show on television okay so let's get into the prestige and like we've been doing with all of these let's start since this is about christian bale let's start with talking about his performance in this Because, of course, we're going to spoil this, but hey, you've had lots of years to see it, whatever. I mean, it's Um, only
4: 20 years old.
2: Yeah, yeah. So he has a lot to do in this. So what do you think of Bale's performance, Carla?
4: It is so good and so intense because the characters, all the characters in this movie are so intense. Uh, But particularly his and Hugh Jackman's character are just like it's ambition but it's also just hatred and and anger that's fueling them but his performance in particular is so remarkable because he's actually playing two different characters who are twins and they're leading just one life which i'm like why you know like you're both good looking guys you can both do magic stuff. Why didn't you go and like find a different road? You know, like I, I don't know why it had to be this way, but you know, I'm not the writer of this movie, but yeah, like there, <laughs> it, it <laughs> was they...
3: all about the trick. That's why.
4: Yes. Obviously Meg, that's why it's called the prestige. <laughs> that's um, <what> but even... <laughs> yes, but still. So I really, you know, once you've watched it and then watched it again, you can start to pick up when it's the one guy versus the other guy. Um, When the wife, Sarah says, I can tell when you mean it, when you say you love me versus when you don't. And it's true. Like there are times when you can see that there's so much warmth and love in his interactions with her and times when he's just clearly faking it. And it's really cruel to her that because these two guys are committed to their trick that she ends up having to suffer for it. She is in a in a marriage where her husband is not always the same guy, uh, literally and figuratively. Um, so she really... Okay, but anyway, the performance. So it, it's just... Just watching him in those moments when he is not the one... Who is actually in love with Sarah, and the way that he mm-hmm. behaves towards her—it's so much colder and more selfish and cruel. And then the other times when he is, there's m- so much more tenderness and and love. I just—it's and it's subtle. It it doesn't hit you over the head with it, you know. It, it's uh, you really have to look for it, but it's done so well. It's just, you know, like I like I often say, my my words of wisdom, it's bail being bail.
2: <laughs> exactly. It is bail being bail. Yep. So Meg, your thoughts on well, Christian my expensive
3: experience of working with Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have though. I've been this far from him. Before this week when I watched for this the movie for this episode i hadn't seen this movie in a really long time so i forgot a lot like i forgot pretty much everything that happens in this movie and i will tell you i think the testament to christian bale and his acting is that i completely did not realize that fallon for the long like it it didn't click for the longest time that fallon and um god what the hell is his name i'm sorry i just spaced on it for a second alfred alfred there we go freddie and fallon were were the same actor playing these characters. Um and that part of that's on me just cuz I was not a big fan of this movie when it first came out. But he did a really fantastic job and as I and as now that I'm older and stuff and I look at movies a different way than I did 20 years ago, I can really appreciate how impressive that is like hugh jackman plays multiple characters but it's very clearly hugh jackman playing multiple characters and that's no shade on hugh jackman i will i'm riding or die with hugh jackman (laughs) i love him so much but christian bale just had an ability he changed his entire physiology while playing both of these characters and when you do go back and watch it after you like realize what the prestige is when you when you get to the end and you realize what was going on through the whole movie and you go back and watch and you can see the subtle differences just in his mannerisms there's nothing anything that he was really broadcasting super loudly but there are tiny little things that he was doing as an actor to be those different characters that you can catch up on catch up with and uh, no, I think I think it was just really really impressive as you know someone who's worked with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: <that's so> <laughs> Don't worry Four if days. I was Yeah, I would I would be doing the same thing if it had been me. So <laughs> just just wait till I interview him you'll never ever hear the end of it. Now,
3: um I think I did work on that movie for about 5 days total.
2: So, uh Paula, this is
1: one of those movies that you know a lot of times you like put put a movie on in the background and you just let it go and you don't really have to pay attention to it you have to pay attention to this movie and they even say several times mm-hmm. in the movie are you paying attention and it's mostly because of in my opinion his performance because it's so subtle so nuanced and so good <laughs> and even uh, i ha- i haven't seen this movie in a few years either and going back and watching it i'm still watching for those cues of okay which one is he this time and it's still a little bit difficult to pick up on just because he's so subtle at it and it's it's a, it's a fascinating character to watch yeah. and tiff
0: i think yeah, i like the way um i like the way meg phrased it about his the differences in his physiology when he is fallon um fallon is you know a bit hunched over he's like like holding internally like he's holding the weight of the world on himself so he's got like this almost hunchback type of deal he's extremely quiet he never talks I, you know I'm like when the character first comes on screen I'm like okay is he is he a mute is he just is he missing a tongue what what is the problem here he's not speaking at all this is odd um and like Paula said uh when they keep saying are you watching? You know, are you are you paying attention? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And it's like oh oh oh, you know. <laughs> At the very end, it kind of is like whacks you over the head. Um, can't believe that happens. And and as you all said, it, it's totally attributed to to Bale's performance in this because when he commits, he he commits. He is a he is a character actor through and through, and you can see that he takes pride in his performance. Um, The differences in how he treats his wife, Sarah, when he's playing the differences. Fallon is, you can tell, is the one that loves the Fallon twin is the one who loves Sarah and is the one who has that softness and that care for her. And Alfred, who is the more boisterous, in my opinion, of the twins, is the one who is in love with the other person that we'll talk about and the one who carla mentioned is you know very cruel to to sarah who treats her as i guess an obligation you know that's basically he, he you can tell he's not in love with her keeps her around because he has to because it appears that his brother has made this commitment to her and he's just they're here for the ride and like you said carla why didn't they just do this as twins? (laughs) Why all the secrecy? (laughs) Why all all the subterfuge? But... I guess, you know, hey, they, they said we're going to do this and we're going
3: to ride it out until
4: the very they end. They decided to go the hard way and they, <laughs> they really committed. I'm like, okay, but
3: okay. They, but they talk about it. They talk about the sacrifice that they're willing to make for their craft and stuff like that. And it's a huge sacrifice, but they wind up, it's not just their sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and that's where the problem comes from. Yeah. But I it's lo- one thing
0: to sacrifice your, your, own, own, shit. your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But you yeah. sacrificed your kids. You sacrificed your mm-hmm. wives you know, Mm -hmm. your friendships, whatever else. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's not forget John, you know, John Cutter, who is there for everything. He's literally there for everything and you sacrifice, I mean, my gosh, his, like, sanity. I
3: I think about how impressive this movie is in that it is what its title is. Mm -hmm. Like, it goes through the magic trick. Mm -hmm. like we're taken on a magic trick throughout the entire thing and this illusion and the prestige at the very end where we get that and i think that's so impressive and that hinges on bale's performance yep like if if bale was not up to the task if we could tell at any time really for sure that fallon and fred and alfred were twins then Mm -hmm. the jig was up but and, and i love how they they put these little things in there like you should be paying attention like but we don't want to see that we don't want to see that stuff we want to. we're too engrossed in the misdirection of the drama and the tragedy mm-hmm. and i just i think it's so clever of the writer the director and but especially christian bale's performance because without that performance the whole thing would have fallen apart it would have it would have been just a mess
2: yeah agree completely and you know the other way you can tell their differences when you're watching because i too hadn't watched this in like i think since it first came out honestly and i remembered what the twist was but even when i was watching it now i was like so is that fallon guy is that who it was or who because i didn't even remember i was like when does the twin come in and is this fallon guy separate or is that the you know so it's it it so that's how subtle it is you know with with Bea, with his performance, the other way you can tell the two apart, and this speaks to how good of an actor he is and how subtle he is, the eyes. You look in the eyes, and when he is Fallon, as opposed to Alfred, there's a warmth and a kindness, and his eyes kind of seem even older and wiser, and especially when he's around his daughter and they soften a bit, and then Sarah as well. And there's the scene when Alfred is drunk, and they're at um, the restaurant, the expensive, fancy restaurant, and Olivia is there too, along with Sarah, his wife. And Alfred is such an asshole, and so mean and cruel to her. And Fallon's sitting there the whole time. And you, if you watch Fallon's face, you can see how much pain and anguish is on his face because he loves Sarah so much, and you can tell. I, I really think. Alfred was the one who probably was the one who masterminded all of this. I could be wrong, but that's the impression I got. And you can tell that Fallon is like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to hurt Sarah. I love her too much, but I can't give up the jig, even though I think he wants to. And so that just speaks, I think, to Bale's performance too, because that's so subtle. And when you watch it again and you know and you're piecing together everything, you're like, oh, that's a little hint there, too. And, of course, every time Sarah says, you know, now you love me today, you didn't love me yesterday. And just watching him with the daughter and just watching his eyes, especially, and the way he holds his body. And that's the way – Bale is a physical actor. I mean, he's known for his body transformations. But he transforms the way he walks, even if he's not losing weight or doing any of that. So he just becomes the character. And I think, I can't imagine anybody else taking on this role and doing it the same way he did and doing it with the same success that he did. I just mm-hmm. frankly can't imagine anyone else in this role. Well,
3: and <laughs> I think it's, it would it, it's so much the ultimate gaslight when you think about it. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> to, Olivia, to Olivia and to Sarah, both. And and to us, because they're both playing both of these characters. You know, sometimes Fallon is Alfred. Sometimes Mm -hmm. Alfred is Fallon. So you really have to pay attention to, like you said, the eyes and everything like that to see kind of who is who and who's like, and you can tell, and Sarah's our biggest window into who we're actually watching. And I think to an extent his daughter too, like when Sarah and Alfred are fighting because Alfred very clearly does not love Sarah in this day or whatever like that. And Fallon covers her ears and then just picks her up and carries her. And it's so interesting because we don't know who the actual genetic father.
2: Yeah, I know that I was going to ask what everybody thought of this
3: little girl is, but he, she is clearly the daughter of Fallon's heart. Like, Mm -hmm he i think alfred also loves her but i think it's very different because fallon loves her mother also and that changes the connection yeah it. so it it's just it's really good i did not appreciate this movie nearly as much as i should have when it first came out but we'll talk about that later yeah
2: yeah <laughs> um, and i'll be revealing something a little later that'll probably make my panelists hate me so prepare for that <laughs>
3: You keep saying that, and it never actually happens. Like we never hate you. We. I'm not keep, saying real hate, you. Meg. I'm
2: saying like you're gonna be really upset when I reveal something here. No, I'll just I'll just say it now. I am not a Hugh Jackman fan. I and Meg said deuces. It's not that I think he's prob- I think he's a very genuinely nice person. I think he's like probably one of the most genuinely nice people in Hollywood. But let me just explain something. In this movie, though, this is one of those movies where I, this and um The Prisoner, I think he's excellent in The Prisoner, too. Uh, that's an excellent movie, totally different than this one. I have to say, this movie, I think he is fantastic in it. And I think he's actually the perfect person to be playing alongside Bale and to play opposite that because his energy is so different. And, I, and, and in real life, I was watching an interview with both of them. And in real life, their energy is so different together because, mm-hmm. you know, Hugh Jackman's very much a performer all the time and very much like that. And Bale isn't. And so it so it's interesting. I think it's perfect that they were cast in this because I think that actually helps elevate both of their performances. I mean, I think Bale is the better performance. I just do. But I think Jackman is still really good and I think they kind of elevate each other. So the reason I am I said that with not liking him is that I actually really like him in this movie. And it's mainly his acting style. I usually don't like his acting style, but I think he's a genuinely amazingly kind human being. Like, mm-hmm. amazingly kind. But well, I was like, that's the thing that's going to make everybody hate me.
3: Well, and I'm not going to disagree with you as far as the performance goes. I think uh, Bale was given the much more difficult task like his two roles were meant to be a secret up until the very very end of the movie Hugh Jackman yeah. playing multiple characters in this movie was very clearly Hugh Jackman playing two different characters there was never supposed to be like a secret about that mm-hmm. Um, and i that's where I can 100% agree with Bale having the more challenging and more nuanced performance in this movie. Um, I will fight you later about you not liking my husband.
2: Hey, you give me enough crap already that you can handle. A little how little. dare.
3: No, I'm just kidding. I'm
2: Uh-oh, just kidding. She's going as
0: her about how very dare you. She throws out the how very dare Very use. dare it's it's coming
2: aaron it's coming <laughs> yeah i just was like i have to be honest about that because that is something that i remember when this movie first came out and i was like oh
3: you're entitled to uh, your wrong opinion it's that's okay.
2: okay i can deal with watching this performance but like i said he seems like the genuinely nice nice like too nice guy okay so let's get into the characters we're gonna talk about alfred and robert the two main characters um, as individuals and then their relationship together. So, Carla, your
4: thoughts? So many thoughts. Because for starters, it's just like the, this movie gives you so much to think about even after you're done watching it. I watched it twice when it first came out because it was just so intriguing. You know, it's like, oh, my God, this whole time. Um, and I just I love that. I love movies that take me by surprise where i'm on this whole ride and i figured out this one thing and i'm just sitting that sitting back being all cocky about it and that oh wait there's a further twist that i did not expect uh, but alfred and what is it robert robert yes are both very um very ambitious but it's not just that they're driven they're obsessed and the that line between drive and obsession can blur really easily, especially when there's rivalry involved, because then it's not just about trying to be the best that you can be. It's about trying to one up somebody else. And in that, you're losing sight of your goals and what you want to achieve. You're just, you know, so narrowly focused on something that you forego other. Brilliant things that you could do aside from that. And that's where the twins and Robert really set themselves up and set each other up for ultimately death and failure. The only person who comes out of this a winner in any way is the twin who was in love with Sarah and who, whether or not he was the actual father of Jess is the one who truly loved her and really actually took care of her. You know, not to say that anybody like really deserved to die, but he he's the one who was, I think most really affected because the other twin just really wanted to push and push and push and go after Robert. And that was his whole thing. Like he, um, when as Fallon, he he was like, okay, look, let's stop this. And as Alfred, he's like, no, we have to, you know, we're going to go to the theater and we're going to look at this performance, even though it's just a trap. He's the more one-uppy one of the two. I, I really feel like the other one would have been perfectly fine being like, okay, you know what? Let's just wrap this up and move on and do another trick or whatever, and then Robert similarly, he had he lost sight of why he was even angry at Alfred. Like when he says that he doesn't even care about his wife anymore. It's like, well, wasn't this a whole reason why you wanted to, you know, punish Alfred because he, you know, his because your wife died because he made a mistake. So they both end up, like, these two people who are just so hyper-focused on the wrong things end up getting these awful, awful fates. And it's really sad because they they both, you know, they each had their own talent. Like, the movie says over and over again, Robert was not the better magician. That was definitely the, 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 the twin performers. They were the better magicians and but what he did have was this performance value and this charisma and showmanship he was fantastic he was at a commanding a stage <laughs> <laughs> yes he was, was the greatest sorry, showman I
3: it was right there <laughs> this is the greatest show
4: no no meg no yes he was the greatest showman of the two of the Three of them. But it's and I do wonder if the the not so callous twin was the one who was the face of the of, of their act in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then when they required more charisma, the other one stepped in. Because you do see that he has just more oomph to him. Um the other one has more earnestness, and earnestness is great for interpersonal relationships they don't really that doesn't really translate well on a stage and that's what you need on a stage is just that you know projection of charisma and their relationship with each other it's just completely it's a mess and it's awful and you know as much as robert blames alfred for julia's death julia also wanted that that more difficult knot she's the one like during Mm -hmm. the that backstage conversation she said i can do this i want to do this when she's looking at um at alfred as he goes up to volunteer to do the the knots he's he started off doing just the standard one and then she begged him to do the the other one and that was definitely uh sarah's alfred yeah that was definitely him why because when um the other one gets asked over and over again you know how what which knot did you do he genuinely doesn't know there's a reason why he doesn't know because he's not the one who tied it so like there's so much desperation in this movie and in his desperation and grief robert loses sight of the fact that it was a tragedy, but certainly Alfred did not mean for his wife to die. and He was just as, as uh, terrified when they were trying to get her out of that glass box as, as anybody else. So it, it all started from a tragedy that one couldn't let go of and the other one couldn't let go of that righteous indignation of like, fine then, you're going down too.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yep, and Meg.
3: I think it's really interesting. They're they're both. They have notions of sacrifice that are so completely wildly different. Um, and if you don't know from my pretend temper tantrum, uh, I am like ride or die Hugh Jack Hugh Jackman. Like this is a man that made me be like P T Barnum. He's not so bad. Like obviously P T Barnum is a horrible person, <laughs> but I love the greatest showman more than like anything, and it's because of Hugh Jackman. Like. I'm like, P.T. Barnum is a horrible, horrible human being. Stop making him charming. I don't like that. But your songs are so catchy, and I love you, Hugh Jackman. So I'm very predisposed to, like, be Team Hugh and a lot of things. But Robert is just a terrible person. I found myself rooting for him a lot until the end. Up until he gets his Tesla machine, I was kind of on Team Robert's side. But then when he, like, his idea of sacrifice, so Alfred and Fallon, the, the twins' idea of sacrifice is sacrificing themselves and inadvertently sacrificing the people who are closest to them. I think Fallon was just as in it as Alfred. You don't cut off your fingers uh, on a whim. Like, you. that's... He was just as much in it. It broke my heart to see him watch Sarah crumbling. But at the same time, he could have at any time stopped gaslighting her and let her know. Because she knew something was going on, but she was being gaslit this whole time, which ultimately led to her fate. And he could have stepped in there, but he chose his brother and their show and their performance. Over the woman he loved. So I have a hard time kind of forgiving that situation. So Alfred just sucks. (laughs) He's just a dick. He just had to say, I'm sorry. (laughs) This movie could have been avoided if he had just been like, I'm sorry. Because he didn't only not, he he didn't just say, I don't remember what knot I tied, but he didn't say, I'm sorry. And he clearly was sorry. He was clearly really traumatized and broken up by Julia's death. And Carly, you're right. He very much was trying to get her out of that tank just as much as anybody else, because he was not, they were, they weren't rivals quite yet at the point at this point in the movie, they were in a show together who had differing ideals. And we see that throughout the show, as far as sacrifice goes. So anyway, Alfred, Fallon, their sacrifices are much more personal sacrifices in their own bodies robert's sacrifices are he's just willing to clone himself and kill just mercilessly kill versions of himself every single night <laughs> to get the better trick and that's kind of where that's kind of where robert lost me i'm like you're just dropping him into drown <laughs> like i cannot think Fire and drowning are like, those are the worst deaths I can possibly imagine. And you took the words of your friend who was trying to comfort you after your wife drowned to be like, yeah, it's just going home. To think that you were being somehow merciful to these men that you're just dropping into a water tank and then just throwing off into a warehouse. It's just... It's It's not
4: like somebody sent your puppy off to the farm. You know what the farm means.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we always know what the farm means. (laughs) It's not a literal farm, but it's just. These are both very flawed individuals in a lot of pain. And who are not dealing with their pain. They would rather lash out at each other than try and better themselves neither of them want to just be the better act through their own self-improvement they want to tear the other person down so they can be better rather than just being better i think alfred and fallon are further along in that path like they are their whole thing is they want to create a trick that will confound other magicians which is like the ultimate high for a magician and robert is just on a a revenge path and their relationship to each other is just obsessive like so deeply obsessive Robert sends a woman he loves away like chattel to, to to Alfred and then gets surprised when she doesn't take kindly to that notion so it's just I don't know they do a good job and yeah yeah Hugh Jackman was amazing in this movie, also, and it hurt my heart to be like to stop standing him for a little bit. Paula, your thoughts?
1: the The rivalry between them was was like you, like Carlin makes it, it. It was it was obsessive. It was toxic, and it was it was really interesting because when when everything started you're kind of rooting for Hugh Jackman's character, for Robert, because you felt he had been not wronged necessarily, but, you know, he'd lost his wife to this horrific accident and you felt bad for him and you knew that Alfred had done something that he shouldn't have in that performance, even though Sarah or Julia had um, encouraged him to do it. But it turned as soon as as soon as Robert went to that first performance of, of Alfred's and sh- sabotaged that trick, that's when it started turning like, okay, he's a despicable person as well. <laughs> and-
0: It took me it, so much longer than that.
1: <laughs> oh, no, no. As soon as he did that, I was like, no, this, I mean, I understand he was in you know pain from losing his wife. He was upset. But as soon as he went to those extremes to to hurt another person, because of his anger i was like okay now you're going a little too far and then it just kept going but alfred and fallon they weren't exactly good people either because of you know with with um with his wife you know gaslighting her and at any point that there was no there was no trust there they could have told her their secret and trusted her to keep it and been a part of it instead of shutting her out and Putting her in that horrible situation with not really knowing what she's gonna get from one day to the next, and it, n- neither neither of the none of those those three really were ultimately likable or good characters i mean good people and it was um and they were they were all making sacrifices but i i was i was just thinking about this the sacrifice that that um Robert was making was <laughs> really and when you think about it horrific because he wasn't sacrificed i mean even even thinking that he was sacrificing a clone of himself that's not really what was happening he was the one that fell in that tank first and was cloned and then it just kept repeating so every time he did that he was sacrificing himself and you know and i guess trusting that the clone would carry on with the vengeance and that's just horrifying. <laughs> uh, I can't even imagine being that bent on vengeance that you would just literally sacrifice yourself to it mm-hmm. in that very final way like that. That And, and not even, you know, because he, the original Robert wasn't the one that saw what happened at the end and saw Alfred hanged and then died. He He was already gone. And that's just that's just mind blowing at this point. I mean, there's still there's still these little things every time you watch it that you're that you pick up on on the whole the whole movie from bo- all of their performances. And and it's one of the reasons why this this movie is so fascinating. And because I'm not even I, like I don't I don't like magic shows. <laughs> I don't I I they bore me to tears. There's nothing there's nothing interesting. I know it's an illusion. I know there's a trick to it, so it doesn't interest me this movie is fascinating on so many levels.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not really even about magic. Honestly. No, I mean, it's no, not really ultimately. Even about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Tiff, your thoughts? So
0: everybody has outlined things so well. Um, totally in agreement. And it, when you realize that it's not even about um, professional increase and professional... Um, being the best at what you do. This is, I mean, it is just a back and forth, back and forth revenge sequence after the death of Robert's wife. This is just, how can I get back at this person for what they did, which obviously they didn't do it on purpose. And I think we all can agree though, if somebody had a hand in killing our spouse or our partner, that there would be some hell to pay, <laughs> but at some point in time, it's it, you're doing more harm to yourself than you are to that other person. Um, the The scene, oh gosh, the the breaking of the leg, oh, <laughs> the, the way that Nolan's direction um, and the and the, the cinematography, because it's like, and then that you know, the, the crack <laughs> from the, like, oh, it's so, it's intense. It's so intense. This whole movie is just, like, a, a lesson in intensity, uh, no matter what, even it's, when it's supposed to be lighthearted, when um, when uh, Alfred is explaining, you know, the trick to the little boy about the, to Sarah's nephew about the bird, and he's like, oh, look, the bird is flying, and then the other crushed bird is in the <laughs> It's too much. It's too much. So, like you said, um, like Paula mentioned, you know, these three characters—Alfred, Robert, and Fallon—they have limited redeemable qualities. Limited. You know, you could say that. Okay, perhaps Alfred's desire to be the best at what he does, maybe that's a positive. At times, you could say Fallon's love for uh, Jess and Sarah. Those are positive things. Robert's showmanship is is a positive, but do their positives outweigh the awful, horrible people that they are? No, (laughs) they don't because they are all awful. Um, I do think that there are different... Robert is a murderer. He's killing himself over and over again. And clones of himself or killing clones of himself. It's it's quite confusing sometimes, Christopher Nolan. I don't know <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to categorize that. If it's if it's clone killing clone or if it's clones killing the original of the clone. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like Christopher Nolan, you you confuse me. Um but <laughs> then you've got Alfred and Fallon who have writ- who have completely to the point of madness driven Sarah insane. They drove her insane. They drove her to alcoholism and they drove her to suicide. And all because of this stubbornness and it's even worse than stubbornness. It's um it's a their mentality is it's us against the world.
3: It's that just such a callous disregard. It
0: is. It is. So how, you know, and that's why I can't even, I mean, does the, the Fallon character actually love, you know, well, the softer twin, let's put it that way. Does a softer twin actually love her because he goes along with it? He continues to go along with it. He continues to play this farce and which ultimately leads to her demise. Like I put her suicide directly at the feet of Alfred F. Fallon. Oh,
1: yeah. It is
0: direct, there is, there is direct evidence to how she ends up because of how they acted toward her and i can't even get started on that on the affair okay i know we'll talk about that later sorry it makes me gag <laughs> me too cuz it's stupid it's <laughs> so
2: stupid and they have no chemistry, no <laughs>
3: chemistry and it's so blatantly obnoxious yes too. like he's yes. so gross about it yes
2: Oh,
0: that the restaurant scene that Aaron talked about earlier.
3: Yeah, because it's like so. Maybe you don't love Sarah, but you have no, you don't have any feelings of compassion for this person whatsoever. Yeah, I know. Just even as a human being, that you're willing to just completely humiliate her. Yep. Like uh Exactly. Uh, rah, rah.
0: exactly. Yeah. I got real. I got real stabby at that point. I got real stabby. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I need a knife. <laughs>
1: and you know, even if he doesn't love Sarah, at least you know, have the respect for your brother to not be an
3: ass to his wife. <laughs> I mean, come too. on. That's true too. Yeah. yeah. And oh I gosh. think it is so messed up when you could you could like they couldn't just be like, Hey Sarah, we're gonna tell you this. You yes. can't tell anybody there else. Are two of us. Because then you have the whole conversation of consent because she is not consenting. That's true, too. Yes. Yes. To be in this bigamous relationship or poly relationship that she finds herself being in, and and you're right, they gaslight her into alcoholism and suicide because she's like, I know you're two different people, but you're also you can't be two different people because who hides a twin? Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Normal people don't do that. Normal people yeah. don't hide exactly. twins. And the this thing is, why I'm
3: still Team Hugh Jackman. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're both awful. The thing is, the thing is, she would have probably been fine with it and gone along with it. That's the thing because she loved him, and she wanted a family. Yeah, and she would have been fine. She was like intrigued with him from the beginning, so it's like it's not like she wouldn't have gone along with it. I think she definitely would have been okay with it because she wanted to know his tricks, and she kept wanting to know what the prestige was all the time in every magic trick he did. So I'm, you know. I think she was very trustworthy. I think she would have been fine with it. She might have been a little bit annoyed with the competition and the dick measuring contest these guys did throughout this whole fucking movie, but I but but I still think she would have been okay with it. So, yeah. Um and Mal asked if and I'm assuming this is for Robert, is he murderous or suicidal? I think he's murderous. Oh, I mean, no, he's mostly murderous. <laughs> I think he's murderous. A lot yeah.
4: of murder. a murderous. Because it's a lot of murder. Yeah, I mean the him dying is just a um a thing that he had to accept as part of his um his desire to bring down Alfred. Like it's like yeah. okay, well I have to die a few times for this to happen, but I'm willing to do it just to clown this guy.
3: Well and it's so and like, it's and it's, it, so and it's murder. Up. Yeah it's so yeah. messed up because even like at the end when he's finally actually dying because he gets shot and he doesn't or when he's talking to cutter and cutter tells him oh no it's agonizing to drown Mm -hmm. because obviously he you only drown once (laughs) so he never actually it's he's never actually really sacrificing himself like his clone is always sacrificing somebody else And he says sometimes he was the man in the box. Sometimes he was the man in the balcony. So sometimes I feel like they switched out a little bit. It's just just so messed up. And he just was so unfeeling and so blinded by not even vengeance. Because he didn't even care about his wife anymore. He just had to be better. And he couldn't be better on his own merit. He had to just tear down the
4: well, professor. he had to be better. Right, but he had to be better. And his final gambit was leading people to believe that um, that Alfred killed him. Like, that was his, his whole point. He didn't care so about anything else. You know, oh, he yeah. baited him specifically so that this man would show up, try to desperately find out what the trick was, Mm-hmm. Lore, he's luring him down to to watch him fall into the tank he doesn't care about anything else
3: well and then tearing bringing cutter into it and tearing and breaking cutter's heart because as far as cutter was concerned until the end he watched his protege drowning because of this rivalry, and I think he even, I think Cutter even realized that Alfred was trying to get him out. We didn't. Alfred was not just standing there watching him drown, as we're given to believe in the beginning of the movie. He finds something, and he is trying to break him out. Mm-hmm. And for Cutter, he still testified against him. <laughs> but it, they, they both, they all three, hurt so many people in the name of what
2: what i think this whole movie is about is obsession it's just completely about obsession they're both obsessed with different things and you know they're both horrible people i and i wasn't i will be honest and i wasn't rooting for either of them any of the times except for i was rooting for fallon before i knew who fallon was And I was rooting for Jess and I was rooting for Sarah and no, I didn't care about anybody else. Honestly, as far as like thinking like they should win, I thought Robert was an egotistical ass from the very beginning. He did not care. He cared about his wife to an extent, but he also wanted ownership of her. I mean, she wanted to have a say in the way they did the magic tricks and he didn't want to have any say. And I know a lot of that was concern. But I also feel like he was very controlling. He wanted to be the best. So that was his obsession. And when she died, I honestly do not think he would have forgiven. If Alfred would have said, I'm sorry, I don't think he would have given a crap. I still think he would have been just as obsessive. Apology would have done nothing for him. Because even if it had happened where even Alfred hadn't tied the knot or done anything, I think he would have blamed Alfred no matter what, because he was looking for someone to blame. And then he turned that into obsession where he even says in there he doesn't care about his wife's death, that it's not even about her because it's not about her at all. It's about being the best, besting Alfred because he's in competition with him because he knows Alfred is the better magician. He's just the better showman. And so he wants to be able to combine that two and be the better at both of them. And so he's trying to figure that out. And so that's his obsession. And so that's really what this movie boils down to is these two men's obsessions and how they tear everybody around them apart even the people that are alive. I will say of the twins the one to survive I think is the better one to survive because I think that's better for Jess in the long run for the daughter in the long run but they're both horrible because they did this horrible thing and just, and imagine Jess when she grows up and if she finds when she inevitably finds out about it which I'm sure she will imagine her heartbreak of knowing this is what happened, you know, and how confusing that must be to her too. So it's also gaslighting your own daughter and it's, it's, it's a horrible thing to do. And, you know, they're both just not very good men. And I, you know, and in a way I, that's kind of what I appreciate about this movie, to be honest, because you don't have like a hero among the two. It's not saying one man is better than the other because they're not, they have their own obsessions in the own way that they show them throughout so, and it's they're besting each other, but at the same time, they're besting each other at the cost of everybody else that they supposedly love and that love them. And once again, all Alfred had to do was say, Sarah, look, this is my big thing. And she would have gone along with it. Yeah. I do not think there would have been a second where she wouldn't have, she probably would have been like, Okay, stop being a dick. But I don't think she would have had a problem with it. And she would have been like, she didn't even like the the, you know, have the Alfred so Cold yeah she would have been she would have been like, Okay, you can go and be with annoying Olivia. I sorry, I don't like Olivia, but you can go do that or whatever you know, so it's like it, it it's so ridiculous because it would have been so easy, but because they're so wrapped up in their obsession that they can't see no one can see through their obsession to see anything else beyond that. That's why this movie really isn't about magic at all. it's just about that obsession so Uh, We're going to go to the other characters. I want to do the women first because we've been mentioning them a little bit. And I think it's important to talk about the women in this film because I'm very mixed on the way women are treated in this movie, as with a lot of Christopher Nolan movies. So let's start with we'll talk about Olivia, Sarah and Julia. We'll just talk about all three of them who Olivia is played by Scarlett Johansson, which is might be part of the reason I don't like her. I don't know. And we had mentioned a while ago, we were talking about on here, how much we love Piper Parable and how nobody ever mentions her and talks about her and what an amazing actress she is. And that's who plays Julia. She's not in here very long. And then the outstanding, amazing, incredible, fantastic Rebecca Hall, who gets no attention in this flipping world. She is such a fantastic actress. Go watch The Night House. Go watch Christine. She is so... So flipping good. Okay, sorry. I just had to get that out because she deserves a lot more adulation than she gets. So, and it's amazing because I always forget that she is actually British and (laughs) she's not American, but yeah. So let's talk about the women in this film. So Carla, what are your thoughts about the women in the film?
4: Well, just like in so many movies, they're just there to kind of help the men come to a conclusion or to drive them and to spur them on or whatever the case may be. The The case can be made that the, the most fleshed out one is Sarah because and I, I think it's true. I think she's the one who gets the most um, meaty role in this and well deserved because she's not just there to be a wife and mother. She also has dreams and ambitions of her own even though they end up getting kind of Pushed to the back burner because of her husband's own ambition, and I, I just, I, it was so sad watching her become more, you know, fall more and more into despair because she didn't deserve to be treated like that. She didn't deserve to have this trick played on her from her first date with this man, where you know she closes the door on him, and oh, he's in her apartment. it's oh it's so mean it was so mean of them to do this i don't know if you know the the one actually had like the love at first sight and it's like okay bro i'm gonna take her out and it's like okay bro but i'm gonna sleep with her okay cool like how does that work out in their minds that that um it's fine to do this to somebody to another human being like why did it ever seem like an acceptable thing in their, in their minds. So she just, she just deserved so much more. Both she and Julia are sacrificed for the men for, for to give them something to do or to grieve about or, you know, whatever. Um, Because Julia, she had, she was bright and she sparkled and she knew what she wanted to do. But it's a man's world and definitely more so at that point in time in a boys club of magic where women are just allowed to be pretty and that's exactly the position that she was in she was she wanted to do more in that small space that she was given it's like okay you get to be pretty and not drown okay cool so i'm gonna get out of this really complicated knot though um and i could definitely and you know the fact that um that cutter and robert both vetoed the idea of of um, of her and pra- Alfred practicing with the more difficult knot. That right there is a big reason she died. Because if she had had the time to really practice that and not just go for it live, she may not have died. And so, like the men's uh, need to control the women's. Worlds and their ultimately their fates. It's a you know, it's a recurring thing that I think movies uh, kind of end up doing that they don't necessarily know what they're doing because they want to show it as like, okay, this is just what needs to happen to drive the story forward. Okay, but you're basically just stating what we already know that to you, women are disposable, and that's that's the story on Julia and Sarah now, Olivia. She's just there to be the mistress. She's there to... Because, you know, if you can't buy for for a man, then at least you can screw him. Like, be good for something. You know, it's like, <laughs> give him a child, um, give him something to cry about, or be hot. And that's it. Th- those are your... Um, th- that's where you can shine. And that's the only way you can shine. Um, Olivia, listen, Scarlett Johansson, not as great as people like to say that she is. She's an okay actor. She's okay. Um, it's not like, like you can sit there and be like, wow, she really brought out all of these different things in this role. No. She was just hot. That's that's it. The character falls in love with the one guy and then falls in love with the other guy. And that's, I think, just um, the movie trying to, to say that this is yet another example of them one upping each other and, and uh, how this one guy got cheated out of something else. So it, again, it's just using her as an accessory for either man, whoever has her at the time. But yeah, like it was really messed up that she just goes and sits down at the table, knowing that she's sleeping with the dude calling him Freddie in front of his <laughs> wife and then being like, why is she mad at me? Okay. Come on. You cannot be this clueless just oh i i did not care what happened to her I hate it. at all yeah flipped yeah.
0: table in that restaurant I'm sorry.
2: i know man she <laughs> <laughs> she was doing it like in a way that was like rubbing it in her fucking yes! in her face, even man even
3: going even going was so messed up yes yes, yes like, hey absolutely. i'm going to go have dinner with my wife you should come along i'd like right <laughs> I gotta watch. I mean, my hair. okay. Yeah. It's like by this time hair.
0: you know you're a mistress, you're a side, right? you're a side chick. Have some decency though. Be the crazy. Yes. Be
3: subtle about it. <laughs> yes, God, but
4: yeah. there was no and subtle thing. Of rubbing And, and it the, the two yeah. men, the two yeah. men are just like, oh, we're going on a date night with our girls. What in the hell? The whole thing was so messed up. But yeah, I did not care about Olivia one way or the other. I was like, why couldn't she be the one to die for man pain? Not Sarah. If somebody had to die, but that didn't happen because clearly she did not matter to the writers even as much as Sarah kind of did.
3: Enough man pain.
4: There was no, you know what? It was just the right amount of of man pain. And Scarlett Johansson. they They were like, you know what? Two is enough. We've killed two women. We've done our job.
2: No more killing the women.
4: This one Wait, will that's the live. Sequel in the sequel. It's a, yeah, exactly. We'll kill <laughs> her in the next one. It's fine. We'll get her eventually.
2: These two.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just card tricks in a bar. Yeah, I'm a little more charitable to Olivia, I think, than a lot of people are. I think all of these women were sacrificed to Robert and the brothers. What the hell's their last name? Baron or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to their obsessions and ambitions. They were all sacrificed. Uh, Olivia did not hop into this to be a mistress to anybody. She was looking for a job. She fell in love with Robert. He never actually really let her in, so she was loving someone who was obsessive and not really there. And is that on her a little bit? Sure, but you you fall in love with someone and, you know, (laughs) it happens. And I think she was legitimately devastated that he sent her off to be a spy and to do whatever she needed to do to get involved with Alfred and to figure out what was going on. She was, she was sacrificed, maybe not her life, but her body and her autonomy. And she was basically sold like a piece of meat. And I feel like that's something that is glossed over a little bit because Julia and Sarah both die, but Olivia was also collateral damage. And she was also in a position where she didn't have any power. The, only, the She wielded the power that she did have. Do I think she was a great person? No. Do I think she should have gone to that dinner? Hell no. Like, holy shit. And then she gets there she goes oh my gosh why is this so dramatic you guys I'm like i don't know maybe you're at your boyfriend and his wife so at dramatic? dinner
2: why is everybody upset with me i don't get it
3: i don't understand I just and she frenches him at the, the table she doesn't really she do. she licks his dick no
2: uh,
3: <laughs> i didn't say the whole word oh, <laughs> julia breaks my heart but it's also A lot of her own ambition is kind of what caused her downfall because she was insistent. She is the one who insisted that he use that knot that they hadn't practiced in the live show. And frankly, at this point in this show, what does it matter? What kind of knot you use? He is clearly a plant. It doesn't matter if it's a slip knot or anything. He can pretend it's super duper secure and you're fine. You don't have to have the more challenging knot. But at the same time, she was dealing with all of these men
2: and fucking men men that's the other thing about this movie men
3: (laughs) Uh, but the the one who really breaks my heart in this movie is Sarah because her that was the most tragic thing I think about this entire movie because her death was so preventable it would have taken one conversation And I completely agree, Erin. I think she would have been like, okay, I am fine pretending that there is only one of you. But her whole life, she fell in love with a man who she assumed was sometimes in love with magic more than her. But there are actually two people. And like I said, she never consented to be having a marriage with two different men. And this whole life. And she's gaslit. And and you can tell she's right on the cusp of understanding exactly what it is. But it's so fantastical that she thinks she's going insane and she kills herself. And it's just... Sarah really breaks my heart. Like, it just... And I understand that Fallon loved her. But how much can you love someone if you're so dishonest? Like, how much... Can you actually love a person if you're willing to hide so much from them and not trust them with that? And it just, I think she was really the only, her and Jess, I feel like, were the only two that I really, really felt heartbroken for when this movie was done because they really were, they really were collateral damage. They had no idea what they were getting into. Olivia, at least. Knew what she was getting into when she was sent to go spy on Alfred. And then, of course, she falls in love with him, too. I don't know why. None of them have redeeming qualities, except they're both hot.
2: That's all it takes, Meg. That's it. That's
3: all you need. That's all you need.
2: And to brood. And to
3: brood. (laughs) Give me a tragic backstory and a six pack. I can have all the women.
2: That's all it takes. Paula, your thoughts on the women?
1: To, to piggyback a little bit on what Meg was saying, also, how much can you love somebody if you're going to stand by and watch them be abused?
3: Exactly. That's basically what yeah.
1: was happening.
3: Yes, yes, yes. I, yep, 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 yep.
1: And that's just what's part of what's so heartbreaking about it because it, she was, she was so smart in the fact she basically had it figured out. She just wasn't sure exactly what it was, but she, she knew. Mm-hmm. And I think with Olivia, I think that character was just unnecessary, to be honest. She didn't really add anything mm-hmm. except for more conflict for, for Sarah and Fallon and Alfred. And and that was odd, too, because when you see her with Robert, she seems very understanding on the fact that he's still supposedly mourning his dead wife. But then when she's with Alfred and Fallon, she's very callous towards his wife. And that just didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. And I just, I didn't feel like Olivia really added anything to the movie if she, if she hadn't been there it wouldn't have changed anything I don't think.
3: Yeah I think she was added mm-hmm. just to create more conflict and to further gaslight Sarah Yeah, because and Sarah's got one hand her husband telling her no there's nothing going on between me and Olivia and then she goes to this dinner where he's basically like flaunting her in <laughs> front of her yeah flaunting
1: yeah. the mistress in front of her Mm-hmm. and with with julia she that was that was a hard thing. she she was basically trying to prove herself by wanting to do that knot and yeah if they hadn't decided for her that they you know that they didn't need to do that she would have had the time to practice it and be as safe as something like that could be at that at that point in time but she was also the one that was really doing all the work in that trick to begin with so why are we not listening to her oh yeah because she's a woman she's, she doesn't know what exactly. she's talking about you know what so she's frustrating. just there again to look pretty
4: like the, the magician is just like i present you this girl yeah these two men are going to tie her up and then she's going to get out of it yeah he literally just walks around yes, the tank, yes.
1: and it's like like she does you know, all the, the, the vano white thing <laughs> And, she's and the she one that does, does the work. work yeah exactly and so you know maybe you listen to the one that's you know actually doing the work <laughs> i don't know
2: but no i yeah and tiff
0: okay so julia 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 julia
2: yeah i think she did have i think julia did
0: have like um like you all said she did have designs of being seen as more than just a pretty face As more than just a sidekick To the magic She wanted to be seen as a Competent part Of the actual show Like she is part of the show Not just the side piece of the show And you know that did lead to her demise Like I mean hey If I'm sitting in an audience And I'm seeing somebody get their hands tied into a knot Put into a tank And then they have to get out I'm going to impressed no matter what <laughs> what the knot looks like. What am I? You asking? don't even hit the tide in a knot. Drop them in a tank
3: and if they come up,
4: I'm pretty
0: excited. No, <laughs> I mean, what are we sailors? Do we know what a knot is? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No way. I don't care. I think it's impressive either way. You got out of the tank. Wow. You are bad, lady. You are a bad mama
3: I'm really so- excited when anyone gets out of a pool. I'm like, <laughs> way to go, you guys. You made it. It's the deep end of everything. You're not even using the ladder.
0: So, I, I mean, so the idea of her, you know, essentially pushing through her own demise, that's really disappointing and really upsetting to me because I see why she thought she had to do that. But also the idea of Robert kind of, pushing that by the wayside, you know, in his grief, which turned out to be not grief, but really just kind of vengeance overall, because we understand people grieve in different ways, but I don't think he was honoring the memory of his wife at all. There was no, there was zero honor going on with that. I agree with you, Paula. Olivia served absolutely no purpose, absolutely zero purpose. Um, I think you all know how I feel about Scarlett Johansson as an actor.
3: That's but how she, I feel has she about done, has she done <laughs> problematic things?
0: I, I mean I, I I am not certain of it, but I think there has been a hint of impropriety what? in the things that she said in the past. I mean oh, you know just a little, just a yeah. little bit. <laughs> if it's not the you know, if it's not the support of a known pedophile, then what? it's also the idea that I can play an Asian woman, I'm even saying, though I'm a white it woman. It can't
3: be the appropriation. Oh, I mean, hey.
2: She did apologize. (laughs) She (laughs) She apologized, apologized which meant nothing. She was only doing it to cover. She's
3: gonna play a tree in a movie, and it's gonna be. And And we're gonna forget all about
2: it because she'll be a tree.
3: American
0: job as a tree. Anyway, though that that dinner, and I know I'm gonna talk about that ad nauseum because that dinner, (laughs) I swear, had I been at a table next to them. (laughs) and I see this is going on, and I see the blatant disrespect. I'm coming over the top. I'm coming over the top taking their bread rolls with with my steak knife and I'm flashing somebody. I'm like, Sarah, move out the way. I got you, girl. I got you. I got your bag. It's
3: okay, baby. I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to kill
0: them all, though. (laughs) That's hilarious. I I can't.
3: You enjoy your wine, Sarah.
0: Just sit back, Sarah. I got this cuz i mean who who does something like that who does something like that you know and and Paula you hit the nail on the head with how she treated Robert or how she acted as Robert's girlfriend versus how she, this you know screechy harpy you know banshee leechy barnacle on Alfred who is like legitimately married has a kid and this is how you
3: this is how you act does it this- make you wonder what alfred was saying to her about sarah because he doesn't love mm-hmm. sarah
4: yeah so he's so- just no. like,
3: yeah i gotta go home and deal with my way no i'm not ju- justifying it at all but i'm just no right. no no uh, what i'm thinking is that
4: knew it's he a didn't lot easier her. yeah well yeah but but I, I think more importantly olivia didn't have to contend with julia being alive so it's very yeah. easy yeah. to be sympathetic when yeah. you don't actually have the human being to be jealous of.
3: Well, like- and I think that's so interesting because a lot of times you think about how much harder it is to compete with a ghost. Because when someone dies, they're automatically vaulted into sainthood.
4: Not for Olivia. And don't forget <laughs> the <laughs> no, man wrote this. Uh, yeah,
3: Olivia's just like, no, well, it's and- fine. You can miss your wife. Look at my boobies. <laughs> well, obviously he didn't miss
1: her for very long. <laughs>
3: Look at my tatas. It's
0: okay. You can be sad for Julia, Giulia. <laughs> Not oh, Julia, <laughs> Yeah. So my, so my ultimate, you know, all of my sympathy, all of my empathy is rolled up into Seren and in extension just as well, because as you have said, the gaslighting, the, the cruelty, the disregard, the, the callousness in which they're treated by Alfred and Fallon. Fallon, you get you're gonna get this smoke too. <laughs> you're getting this smoke too. Because as Paula said, you know, you're sitting there and you're letting them both be abused. But ex- I mean, except especially Sarah. Um it, it as they continue on, her descent into madness continues and she is and it's something that's so easily remedied. It's so easily remedied. Cause, like you said, Paula, she she's right there. She knows, she knows it's there. She knows what's what it is. She just like you said, she can't put words to it. Because, like Meg said, who hides a twin? Who hides a brother? Who hides a sibling? Who does that? Nobody with any ounce of sense actually does that sort of thing. And it becomes too much. It becomes too much. And she and her death is completely preventable. Completely preventable. There's no reason that she should be deceased in this film. There's literally no reason. And it's all because of the ambition and vengeance and hatred of three men.
2: Well, I'd now like to introduce you to my twin who's been here. This is my twin, Karen.
3: Guess which episodes
2: she's been on. And which episodes I've been on. Erin and it's Maren. Yes. (laughs) The reason I wanted to cover this movie is so I could finally (laughs) reveal this truth to all of you. Oh my gosh. No wonder you're so hot and
3: cold. (laughs) The
2: times I've liked you and the times I haven't. So the women are you know like in a lot of christopher nolan movies women are an afterthought um and i do want to say i think this (laughs) is what really pisses me off about this movie this is like something that pisses me off a lot in movies certain movies is rebecca hall is definitely the biggest she has the biggest role here she's in here the most of all the women and i and she's not billed first among the women it's scarlett johansson and i i That may seem petty, but I I don't think it is because she deserves more credit. And it's just because they were banking on the billable star. I get it. It's a business, whatever. But I just, that really irritates the hell out of me because she is really, honestly, if you look at it, between her and Cutter, they are the two biggest supporting characters in this whole movie. And so it's really frustrating to me that she didn't get the same respect. I don't well, think it just at, plays into her character, but it's because she's not blonde. At, and you got to look at 2006
3: shows. and this is like Scar Joes, Like
2: I know that I know I'm, that's what I'm saying. That I, that's sucks. what I said was because the bankable thing, but it still is annoying and that happens all the time. And it is so frustrating to me anyway. I just wanted to say that because it irritated me again in this, when I was watching the end credits and I was like, ah, <sighs> so I'll do the, the Olivia is my least favorite. And Olivia is just thinly written. She's just not really written very well. She's just written to be there as eye candy, really. And, um, you know, regardless of Scar Joe and her talent or no talent or whatever, it still is a poorly written character and it wouldn't matter who was playing it. I mean, it's really like she's just eye candy and she's just there. And frankly, Honestly, I don't think she has chemistry with either man in this movie. So it's like I could not believe either relationship. I'm like, just she's busy like. having
4: chemistry with herself. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and her tree friend. Yeah, she's she's busy having chemistry with herself is a good way to put it. Yes. Yes. Because she, she doesn't have any chemistry with either of them. It's just, you know, that does mean something casting directors and people out there it does mean something just because they're a bankable star doesn't mean they're gonna have chemistry with somebody i think um i think julia i think piper perabo had chemistry with hugh i think she even had chemistry with christian and I think Rebecca Hall definitely had chemistry with Bale, and very different mixed up chemistry, but it was, it was good. But, but the character of Olivia is so thinly written that she really doesn't, she doesn't, like you said, Paula, she doesn't need to be in this movie. There's no reason for her to be in this movie, except for eye candy and maybe to cut and for the dinner scene. And there's no, and there's no reason at all for her to be in here at all. So um, yeah. And then, um, Julia, I feel really bad for Julia because I think she's she's definitely collateral damage in some ways too because she's kind of like she she wants to be part of this team that they were at first having this team of with Alfred and Robert and her it was like they were a team and she kind of was getting left out of that and out of the conversations and she ends up being this enigma and this excuse for Robert's obsession. And that's a horrible way to honor her memory or to not honor her memory, to use her as a scapegoat for your obsession. And that's what she ended up becoming. And let's just give Piper Parabo more stuff to do. That's it. That's all I want to say. Cause she, I love her. I've loved her for years and she deserves a lot more respect. And then Sarah, oh poor Sarah, Sarah just, Sarah just breaks my heart because she is so pure and she just loves this man so much. And, you know, we've already talked about how she's being gaslit through this whole thing. And just that had to, that has to be so painful to love someone as much as she loves him and to every once in a while not feel that love back and to feel instead hatred back. And, like, you see, it's like he almost resents her, even though it's not its not her fault in any way, shape, or form. But it's like he resents her as the movie goes on. And it's so painful and so hard to see. And it breaks my heart, what it led to, because it also hurts her daughter tremendously in the end. And it's just such an abusive relationship. She's so abused. Just because... Remember, abuse doesn't have to be just physical. And she is completely abused throughout this and treated horribly. And the performance, Rebecca Hall, like I said before, she is fan flippantastic, man. She is such a great actress. She is such a great actress. She's so subtle, yet not. And, you know, this could have been really over the top and way too much to watch. She could have been just, like, way too dramatic. And she wasn't. She played this perfectly. She played um, the progression of this character of feeling abandoned. Like in the beginning when she, like the first time she says the love line, she's almost like kind of, she doesn't seem as upset about it. She's almost like, it's kind of this cool little thing where I kind of know. And then as it goes on, she's like, no, this is fucked up, man. (laughs) Love me. Always love me. But yeah, so I, she, she breaks my heart and I just want to hug her and, uh, and I just want to somehow make her feel better. And I wish I could just be like, you know, you could be like, this guy's a flipping <laughs> piece of trash. Leave him. But yeah, it's it's sad. Let's get on to John Cutter, who of course is played by Michael Caine, who appears in practically every single Christopher Nolan movie, <laughs> and he's very. Michael Caine, as always. Yes.
4: <laughs> Listen, the reason I keep tripping over the name Alfred is because I keep, you know, know. From, from Batman. I'm like, wait, which one is Alfred in this movie again?
2: I know. <sighs> I know. So, Carla, your thoughts? Yeah, Did somebody it. mention Akata? Like cutter? coming. Hey, Christian. Did
4: somebody mention a Akata? Well, I am here to speak today about a sacrifice that I made for this movie this role you see oh. do you see my fingers <laughs> yes. you really this hand fingers has all fingers yet the other hand does not for you see i too was so dedicated <laughs> that i had my two fingers cut off and then we filmed all of the scenes in which i had no fingers in one day very quickly and then I had my fingers put back on <laughs> at a nearby hospital. Oh
2: my Christian, your your devotion, your uh, the just the way you just put give your all to your roles, it's pretty incredible. But you, stop cutting off stuff to. Look, it, it's not listen, necessary. <laughs> it was the early
4: two thousands, and we all did things Earth. we're not proud of. <laughs>
2: That's true. You did a couple of things I know you're not proud of. Did
3: you enjoy working Correct. with my husband, Hugh Jackman?
4: <laughs> Hugh Jackman was a delight. In fact, I say when he walks in the room, Hugh, you got jacked, man. Oh, 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 oh. Because of his stunning physique.
2: <laughs> Another great pun, Christian. You are. Oh,
4: thank you. Thank you. you
2: be in a real comedy soon. Seriously. Oh,
4: I would love to. However, there are no comedies that require a lot of Mm. transformation coming my way therefore i am not that interested at this time
2: no one can pay for his smile
4: Uh, no my (laughs) smile (laughs) is for free your
2: smile is amazing i i do want to ask you one question christian about this movie um of course now i i did see uh an interview with you and hugh jackman and you were talking about magic tricks and you would only learn certain parts of a magic trick. So you'd learn the end or the beginning or the middle and you wanted to learn more. I know you said that because of you wanted to go to child's parties to, you know, for your kids and be able to do <laughs> magic tricks. Both of you did. So have you since then, have you learned any magic tricks that you might be able to share with us or, or you can share them next week. I won't say the B word, but you can share them next Thank week. Thank you. But yeah. Cause I know the Welsh
4: tradition, I know, but of course.
2: So, So were there any magic tricks, Christian?
4: I cannot reveal until I am in another film that requires my talent in that way. And then <laughs> you shall know it all. Erin. you shall know it all.
2: I like how she's. Erin. I know. I love, I love the way Christian says my name. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, Christian. And I know um, next Sunday is something very special. I'm not saying the word. Cause I know the Welsh thing of, you know, not yes.
4: Don't curse me.
2: (laughs) But I do want to say I have had so much fun diving into your, some of your films. We haven't gotten through all of them. We definitely will continue this. So I really just appreciate you coming on. And I know, you know, you've gotten a little bit better about the marshmallow intake I hear. So, you know, but you know, anytime you want to stop by my house too, we've got marshmallows, dogs, bring the whole family. Yeah, It'll be Christian, fun. Christian,
3: I want to visit the at some point, so get off our couch so I have somewhere to sleep.
4: Megan, I <laughs> am more than willing to share. I am on a thin side these days, therefore there will be plenty of room on the fold-out sofa.
3: <laughs> Last time I saw you, I was pregnant
4: uh i do not recall that that's not my child (laughs) i do not want to discuss
3: this
4: (laughs) (laughs) is this megan are you paparazzi
3: that's really really funny because i used to joke that i was gonna say that my baby was johnny Depp or christian bill's baby because (laughs) i found out i was pregnant right before i started like the day before i started filming
4: well, I have nothing further to say. Good night, ladies. At the light.
2: Well, you missed what Mal said, then Christian. But that's. Oh, okay.
4: what? What did they say?
2: Mal, they said that my house has more than marshmallows. You may not
4: leave. Um, is this a voluntary not leave?
2: It would be very voluntary. I believe in consent.
4: Oh, then I am delighted to visit. <laughs> Okay. for now.
2: Ta-ta. see you later. <laughs> that Christian man, he his his puns are getting better. That that Hugh got you know Hugh Jack man.
4: <laughs> it's my husband's influence. What can I say?
2: That was pretty incredible. Uh, so Carla, <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes, right. So I was going to talk about Cutter. All right, so Cutter. I don't have a lot of sympathy for him because he was absolutely willing to um, steamroll Alfred right along with with Robert. And he knew what Robert was about. He knew the entire time that it was a bad road to go on. And he had a choice. At any point, he could have said, listen, this is not a good thing. And yes, he stayed behind in, in London when um, Robert went to to America to hang out with Tesla. And like, that's great. But then he was still party to all of the shenanigans that happened when he came back with that machine. And yes, he was kept at it, kept in the dark about what actually was happening with the trick and everything like that. But he still knew that he was trying to reel in Alfred. So whether he knew the mechanics of it is not important because he knew that the result was that Alfred was going to go down one way or the other. So I don't have a lot of sympathy for him. Now he is clearly very devoted to, to Robert throughout the the movie. He wanted to, he, he, he loves the business. He loves magic for him. Like that's the, the big deal It's like he he's, I, what, what what do they call him? It's not an an, an imagineer. That's a Disney thing, right?
3: He's an illusioner like, or
4: something. Illusion. Yeah, Some, something something like, that. like that. Yeah. The, the
3: illusionist. illusionist. <laughs> he was an I, engineer. I'm
4: I'm the illusionist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's why there was the competition.
4: <laughs> that's that's why. Watch it me grow an
2: in. orange tree out
3: of my palm.
4: Yes. Uh but he he really wanted to further the craft. And for some reason, he decided to back Robert, even though he knows that Alfred is the better magician. Um, that didn't make any sense to me, except that that you know he felt sorry for for Robert for Julia dying. So I, I think mostly it was like a guilt thing like oh this poor guy lost his wife and I kind of was like part of it because you know standing there with a with a, with a, um, with a stopwatch and not really doing very much until the very end. But yeah, and it really is like such a Michael Caine performance. And I love, I love that about this role. Like I, I, everything else, like I'm just like, blah, blah, blah. But it's Michael Caine being Michael Caine and it's fantastic. Yes.
3: Yes. But I have a lot of sympathy for Cutter. Like, I know you're true. This could be Cider House Rules. This could be Batman. This could be the prestige. It's Michael Caine being Michael Caine. I feel like his heart was broken about Julia dying, and I think part of him held uh, Alfred responsible for that death because he did not know that Alfred had twins, or that Alfred was a twin, not had twins. <laughs> like <"What?"> that <laughs> Alfred was a twin, he didn't know that he. But I think he felt a lot of sympathy for Robert and his pain, and I and and. But no, I have a lot of feelings for him because he was there for a healthy real professional competition like he was happy to do that um he was very concerned once it got to be more and more personal and then it got to this point where he got shot and he's like you know what i'm done you go to america you find tesla and and you do the things that you gotta do but i am i'm done now and there's a reason Robert didn't let him see what was going on behind the scenes because he would have stopped it. He would have, he was when he found out he was horrified. And I think it's this is a lot that he had so much loyalty to Robert throughout the movie. But then when Robert crossed that line mm-hmm. and Robert didn't tell him because he knew he was crossing this line, Cutter was like, no, I'm going to get this little girl Like, Because I feel like the ultimate, the most horrific thing Robert did was take Jess. Yeah, that was awful. That was awful. I don't think he would have hurt her or done anything. I think he would have raised her. I don't think he would have hurt a child. I think he would have raised her to be whatever. But just allowing someone to die thinking that their child was going to be horrifically abused Mm -hmm. and hurt is cruel beyond measure. And I think once Cutter realized just how sick Robert was and how deep this obsession became, he couldn't live with it, which is honestly why Robert wound up dying. But I I have a lot of feelings towards Cutter. I think he is kind of the moral compass of the entire show. Him and Sarah are like, they're who we're watching to see the emotional impact and and trauma that these two characters or three characters bring about, because I know we talk about Fallon being the gentler twin or the nice twin. He's not, he's just as culpable as Alfred, just because he loves Sarah. Doesn't make him less like Paula and Aaron has that abusive towards her because he allowed this to happen. So that's, I yeah. guess my thought about Connor.
1: I don't know. I think Cutter was a little bit more complicit in this whole thing, because he knew that Robert was just out for revenge. Um, and that he was, quite frankly, jealous, too, of of Alfred. And, and I would have agreed with him, Meg, up until the point where, one, he helped um, basically catch one of the twins, and that twin was then actually literally buried alive. See, don't bring that up. And, and, <laughs> and. Don't
3: bring in the facts, Don't bring in the facts to my, to my, to my Facts have no place here. Facts have they no don't, place. Here. But He also
1: realized that Robert was alive and that Alfred was innocent and he had testified against him and never said anything either. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there might've been certain lines that he wasn't willing to cross, however. I didn't like it was that, i
3: didn't feel like it was that much time between him realizing that robert was alive and alfred being hanged i don't feel like there was that much time there might not have been but i mean but he, he could have seem, tried to i do mean his, he didn't seem too upset intrigued. about it either this <laughs> was quick man they're like you're sentenced to hang that's, that's... who needs appeals like I, I'm shocked that they didn't just walk him out to the gallows right then.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, but he didn't. He didn't seem very upset about it. He didn't call Robert on it. He didn't. He didn't react in any way to that. He just it was like, well, that happened, and we're just gonna pretend it didn't. <laughs> yeah. So. In the beginning, I think I was more sympathetic to him because he was also dealing with Julia's death. But as you go on, he he, in my opinion, became just as um, complicit in what was going on as Robert was.
2: Yeah, and and even even if he was hung right away, even if Alfred was hung like that, and there wasn't anything that he could have done, he could have tried, and he didn't even try. That's the thing: is he didn't even like make any attempt. It was just like. And he seemed like he was acting like all horrified and shocked. And he was. But at the same time, he didn't do anything. And then he's like, okay, I've got to make up for this somehow. So then he got, you know, Jess and reunited Jess with the twin. My opinions
3: with your facts.
2: Well, he
1: could have at least, (laughs) at at the very
2: least, (laughs) at the very
1: least, he could have tried to clear Alfred's name.
2: Yes, exactly. If nothing else. Good old Freddie B. Freddie B. Uh, Tiff, your thoughts on. Um,
0: he seems like he's like a you know kind of this loving grandpa type, but I do agree with you, Paul. I think there is some complicity with him not squashing the comp. Well, at first it's a healthy competition, but then the you know just this um you can't even call it competition. This you know this vengeance, this grudge match between Alfred and Robert. I think he could have had a lot more. Um, influence on the two of them had he chosen to do so and he didn't he was like hey you know it's outside of my hands this is this is not about me anymore but he really as a as an older magician as kind of a a mentor to them both he should have been able to talk some sense into either one of them but if he did then we wouldn't have a Christopher Nolan movie so (laughs) very true (laughs) you know so he can't (laughs) he can't do it he can't do that at all so um he is you know it's um Michael Caine being Michael Caine (laughs) I feel like a lot of his characters, like his true self bleeds into his characters a lot of the time, mm-hmm. except now he's giving you a little bit of a Cockney accent, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, but I, I mean, I like the character. I do. I, I do like the character, but I felt like he could have facilitated more between Alfred and Robert. Um, he could have been a better sounding board for Robert, and you could have seen how desperately Robert was trying to um, get back at Alfred for what he perceived to be his his fault in, in Julia's death or his, um, uh, his complicity in Julia's death. So uh, the role, I think, could have been expanded a bit more. But for what he was given, I thought he did a solid job. And um, the character, yeah, I just i think I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool. Could have been a little bit more, but it was all right,
2: yeah, yeah, and I think I think what Alfred I mean Alfred see
3: <laughs> if only he hadn't told Robert that drowning was like going home, none of this would have happened. It's all it's all John Robert would have dropped him into like a meat grinder or something. <laughs> <laughs> then <That laughs> this would have been Aaron's more Aaron' speed. you like horror that's all i was saying
2: (laughs) i do like this movie but (laughs) even though this movie actually technically is not even a movie that i normally would like but i do like it (laughs) but yeah meat grinding had been involved man whoo my love of this movie would be
3: (laughs) you'd have to have blind and deaf stagehands because the screams man oh my god
2: this i'm, just picturing I'm thinking things. about this way and then, too much and then now. they went and then they went and made hamburgers from them and they yeah, sold. yeah and them then those meat pies <laughs> meat pies
4: that's it i'm at my yeah. limit i am out christian is disgusted and he's coming with me
3: we're gonna we're gonna have marshmallows
4: for comfort is this,
3: marshmallows on, marshmallows on, for is this comfort. theater on fleet street by any chance <laughs> well i
1: mean he can sing so we're already halfway
2: there
3: there you go (laughs) he just needs to get his barber license
2: Uh, they could make the prestige the musical
3: (laughs) could you imagine oh my it would be so annoying it would be more annoying than the phantom of the opera which i actually love in a lot of ways but it's just like god stop singing about your angst I love it. I absolutely love The Phantom of the Opera, but at some point you got to be like, can you just stop? There's definitely a
1: love hate relationship with that movie.
3: Can you just
2: knock that off? Enough with the grinding people in the meat grinder. (laughs) 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 Enough. Anyway. Begin it, Sweeney John. You're not a vegan. the burgers are people (laughs) (laughs) um okay anyway john cutter i i think really what i think john cutter is supposed to be is the audience he's supposed to be like a stand-in for us and we're supposed to be viewing the story through his eyes he's supposed to be telling us you know pay attention look closely and i mean he narrates a lot in the beginning i mean a little bit in the beginning and so i think that's what he's supposed to do but He is, you know, he's not some innocent bystander. And like Mal said, um, they said uh, in some ways he is worse because he's pretending to be a nice guy. And I think that's true. I mean, he's very much like I am the nice guy who does everything right. Yet he does help someone be buried alive. He doesn't try to do anything when he finds out somebody didn't actually kill anybody. And you know, it's just it's like okay, he let he excuses everything he does with the nice guy thing, and I even excuse a lot of the stuff he does too because even before we were having this conversation, I was like, I was thinking, well, at least John Cutter was like trying to help and did help in the end, and then I was like, wait a minute, he actually did a lot of crappy stuff, so it's weird. So it's I think it goes to Michael Caine, honestly. <laughs> Michael Caine
3: <laughs> can I think really make us question and change a lot of our. <laughs> Moral, as can hugh jackman for some of us at least
2: <laughs> well yeah michael kane if michael kane was standing there throwing people into the meat grinder we'd be like i don't know was he really doing something wrong like what did they do to <laughs> they must have had it be, coming there yes, must have been right. a reason for it <laughs> to deserve being
3: thrown into the meat grinder is what i want to know that's the that's what i want to hear because if michael kane's throwing him in there they must have done something yes
2: OK, so let's talk about David Bowie, Tesla, uh, David because <laughs> and I, I meant to ask Christian about if he's still really sad that he didn't get to meet David Bowie because they were talking about that on the interview because Hugh Jackman's like, David Bowie's so cool. How did you like him? And and Christian Bale's like, I didn't get to flip it, man. <laughs>
4: So (laughs) can you imagine? Like, I would have, you know, like been like, I know I'm not in any of these scenes, but can I just just hang out on the set? Yes. Totally would have showed up.
1: He
3: had the set power. He could have done it. He could have just gone. Who's gonna tell Christian Bale no? Not David Bowie. He could have put on his makeup and looked like Hugh Jackman and gone and tried to act. (laughs) 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 He's so dedicated to this crap. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah christian Oh, it was just so funny watching it because you know hugh jack was just like yeah and he was like this and this and this and christian bale's like oh well what, what? i'm not
3: gonna lie
2: well I good totally
4: for you
3: that tesla was david bowie <gasps>
4: <gasps> okay well meg's me, off
3: no he reminded me of oh my god i'm trying to think of the dad he's like a, he reminded me of of a different actor that a totally space that it was david bowie uh, okay well and Carla- i can't think of it <laughs>
4: So anyway, my thoughts on (laughs) Tesla and David Bowie, that is like, it it was the coolest thing because the way that they portray Tesla is uh, kind of untouchable and incredibly cool and somebody who you kind of look up to and you're not quite sure why. You just know that you are before somebody great. And that's kind of the feeling with David Bowie. I mean, he's just like he's just he's just a person, but he's still there's something about him that is so special and and untouchable. Where it feels like 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 he was a a hologram at some point. Where it's like, he, is he re- even real? Um, and the fact that um, in, in the earlier parts of the movie, you're not allowed to meet him you know it's like no 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 you don't get to meet mr tesla no 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 that's not how this works so it's it has that same quality of you know let him do his work behind the scenes let him work his magic and let the magic just wash over you i don't know um he was he was just so flipping cool i loved him in that i i thought he did a a great job in that role it's one of those one of those times when Something that could feel like stunt casting doesn't because the person in that role actually brings something to the table.
3: Yeah. I'm gonna go off that He's a little a great- bit because it didn't feel like stunt casting because I didn't realize that it ne- was necessarily David Bowie. And I'm I'm For those I, I of think- us who
4: are cool and know who David no, Bowie is, I'm gonna portray. It that- mattered.
3: No, I'm gonna portray that as a compliment because David Bowie does such a good job of kind of melding into the roles he plays yeah. that
4: I, I mean, like, let's not forget his incredible, just mind-blowing performance in the classic movie Zoolander.
3: Of course. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, the same, it's the same level. It's the same thing. It's the same in-depth, like, really getting mm-hmm. into the character, aside from it being David Bowie, because it was clearly a big deal to me, uh, that <laughs> David Bowie was in this movie. It was like, wow, I cannot believe. I thought having Tesla in this movie was so freaking brilliant because if this movie is about rivalries and it's about one upmanship and about this competition and ego and obsession and, and all of that to have Tesla, not have Edison, but to have Tesla be in there and, I just felt like that was so beautifully done because the competition between Nicholas, uh, between Tesla and, and Edison was so toxic in a lot of ways but also propelled both of them to greatness. And to have him try and impart this wisdom. Because at this point this is like old Tesla. This is not in the height of his competition with edison but to have him try and warn robert to be like hey by the way as someone who's lived through this maybe maybe don't maybe just try and be great in your own merit without trying to tear somebody else down because if you really want to be if you really want to revenge then just be great on your own merit so i thought the the addition of him and his machine that he felt was too dangerous i'm like why did you leave it with him then but again he left he gave him a lot of money uh, i thought that was just really really brilliant brilliant and to have the great david bowie whom i adore and love in every possible iteration <laughs> like, I'm gonna so try
2: and make up for this
3: <laughs> no i didn't even realize I, I can't remember who you're he's like a dad in a tv show is who you're reminding me of and i can't think of him off the top i cannot think of him right now The mustache really got me into this really weird headspace, but I did not realize it was David Bowie, which is a credit to David Bowie, because I feel like I would recognize him anywhere, but I did not.
2: (laughs) His performance was so good, you couldn't. It was really good, though. He did a really good job. He's a good actor. Or he was. It was an
3: underappreciated role for him. But I just I just thought it was brilliant to have Tesla be in this and have him be a catalyst for this this I don't even think rivalry is the right word or competition it it went so far beyond a professional rivalry between the two of them which I mean is why we have the movie but I just I thought it was brilliant and yeah I mean I love David Bowie (laughs) I don't really care that much about David Bowie you guys I'm sorry I'm man. sorry,
2: man. I'm sorry, Carla's gone. Woo. Goodbye, Meg. Yeah, that's. I like oh. him, but like that's that's. See, you you thought my Hugh Jackman thing was bad. This is worse. <laughs> I was born too late.
4: <laughs> David Bowie is timeless.
3: I had labyrinthitis, which meant he was
4: just. You're done here, Meg. You're done in here. My ears. Bye-bye.
2: Months. We are going to be talking about labyrinth later on this year, by the way. But I'm very excited labyrinth to happens. talk about the fact that she should have just left her baby brother and just ditch him. Just ditch the bra. <laughs> I always thought that. Who needs a, who needs a younger sibling anyway? Exactly. Exactly my thoughts. Uh <laughs> every sibling. person, every every person I know felt the same exact way. So <laughs> a really long time since i watched it. so paula your thoughts did on you know the amazing
3: David Bowie? Incredible <laughs> David i Bowie. did and
1: i was actually just I, when i saw him on screen i was like oh, so cool loved it he did a fantastic job and meg touched on what i was gonna say about the um the rivalry between tesla and edison and how they inserted that in the movie was absolutely brilliant and they talked about it a little bit in the movie they touched on it because uh, that that rivalry was just awful. Edison did some horrible things to sabotage Tesla, which really paralleled what happened between Robert and Alfred. And I, can, can I just talk about his entrance? Was really cool. And just a little side note on that. Um, they they might I don't I don't know because I haven't seen any interviews or anything, but. Tesla kind of did something a little bit like that, and I think it was like one of the, the World's Fair that he was at, where he used uh, uh, brass balls on a Tesla coil and actually had the electricity kind of going over his body. So that was a really cool, if, especially if you're a science geek or a history buff, that was a really cool moment to have him walk in through that field of electricity. It was It was just spectacular i i just i loved that they put tesla in the movie that was that was fantastic and have david David bowie play him was loved it
2: (laughs) and i just want to say that is the most adorable you have ever been paula that was so adorable watching you geek out about that was so oh my gosh i love you that was amazing
1: (laughs) (laughs) i I geek out about there's some things that i just i I get a kick out of and that was one of them i just loved that
2: that was i love. I love that. So, Tiff, your thoughts on David Bowie and Tesla?
0: Yeah, uh, what Meg had mentioned about him—basically seeing how deep into this competition, that this grudge match that um, Robert was in, that he was willing to do this horrible thing—and Tesla knew what that machine was capable of. That's the—that's the key. It's like I've been where you are before. I've had this epic you know, grudge match with Edison in the past, I am now living free of said grudge match and I'm a lot happier, you know, because you can see he's this really, like, calm dude. He's chill, he's relaxed. Singing but he's, songs. Yeah, but he is, he's willing to give up, like, I guess, trade secrets, but he's going to give him the, you know, the, the side effects to those secrets and the down parts to those to that as well, because it's, He's giving him free will because everybody deserves to have that free will. But he's letting him know this is a cautionary action. You need to know what's going to happen with this. And I think it's almost a test. And Robert fails spectacularly in doing so. In grab, you know, in taking the machine and using it as he does, and you know, massive clone deaths uh, abound after that. But I like the way I, I like the way Bowie plays it. I like Bowie. I always liked David Bowie as an actor anyway. Oh, my gosh. His his turn in Zoolander is epic. (laughs) It is epic. I mean, David Bowie announcing a walk off. You know, it can't get any better than that. So it's it's a very obviously it's a very small role, but it's just very there's like massive impact. I think in it, it's something that I remember it. I can remember like every single moment of his interaction with Robert and, and the way he and Hugh Jackman play off of each other. And you're right. <laughs> if I had been on set, I'm like, okay, I just want to go sit. I'm just gonna sit and you know, just kind of hang back I'm <laughs> Christian Bale. I'm just gonna. I
2: just know, gonna sit man. Here. Take a
0: look. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't really have much more to add except for to just say. David Bowie was remarkable a remarkable artist a remarkable person and he's so beautiful to watch and I don't just mean that because he was a very attractive man I just mean there's something about watching David Bowie where it's like he's in another I, I don't I don't know how to describe it it's like he's a, in a totally different plane of existence almost it's weird it's like It's like he knows more than the rest of us know. Yet he's not egotistical about it. It's like I am. I am not. It's not like he's above us. It's just he's more enlightened than the rest of us. It's like he was given something that the rest of us weren't given. But he's not like an ego. He was didn't have a huge ego, and you know, when he passed, that was so heartbreaking because he was so beautiful. And, and, um, you know, and his son, if, if you haven't watched the movie Moon with Sam Rockwell, it was directed by David Bowie's son. And it's a beautiful movie. And one of the best performances Sam Rockwell has ever given. And, you know, and you can see that David Bowie's beauty and light was passed on to his son. And, Also passed on to a lot of people and his music is timeless and just how open he was about, you know, sexuality and being comfortable in your skin and being okay in what you wear and wearing makeup and everything like that. And I think it made him even more enjoyable to watch because he, he's just, I mean, he's not in this very long at all, but you remember him and you want more of him and i don't i don't know i just it makes me want to cry that he's not around honestly that was a real that hit me really hard i'm not a huge
3: bowie fan in, in any way i do appreciate who david bowie was as an artist like i made a joke about not caring about bowie but i do appreciate how important he was and and how brilliant he was as an artist he's just i'm just not a huge fan personally <laughs> that's all like well, but i yeah, do i, do, I understand there. all of all of that that a lot of people feel and i appreciate it and i can recognize the talent that he
2: had and the gift that he gave to everyone at some point, we'll have to do an episode on David Bowie. I don't know why I haven't, uh, but we'll definitely be geeking out about him when we talk about Labyrinth. We talked a little bit about him on our queer horror episode when we talked about The Hunger. So if you want to see David Bowie as a vampire, <laughs> and then also, he's, he's incredible in that movie. So let's just, we're going to round out. I put this on the outline strictly for Meg. <laughs> also because i do think it's interesting when this came out this was one of those where you know like when you had deep impact and uh what was that Armageddon. Armageddon. and then you had like all the other there's been a bunch of them i can't remember them all now uh but this was like that so this came out and then also the movie the illusionist came out with edward norton and the fantastic amazing award-worthy jessica vio Biel- <laughs> <laughs> I mean- <laughs> I'm, I'm me. She's exactly- actually really good in the first season of The Sinner. I do want to give her credit for that. Yes, yeah, I so. agree with you on that. I mean,
3: she's not awful in, in The Illusionist, but it's just like. Tim, I she honestly went, don't remember. Tim, <laughs> Tim, Tim, Tim put the nail on the, on the head. She's like, I can't, Is she a Duchess? Can we believe? <laughs> like, uh,
0: I'm just saying, there are people, there, are actors, there are actors who can play like. You know, different time frames, you know, mm-hmm. like people that play in the past. Jessica Bill does not have a face that's built for yeah. somebody who no, she doesn't though. No, she's that's got true. A, she's that's got a modern true. actor's mm-hmm. face. She doesn't, I don't yeah. believe her when she tells me that she's, you know, like this early 20th century duchess. I, it's not believable. Like to me, yeah. it's not. She's just not. Now, yeah, Rebecca but, Hall, no. yes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, there are some, ac- I agree, Tiff, there are some actors mm-hmm. that you just kind of are like, no, you can't ever see them in period pieces kind of thing. Very, very true. Yeah, yeah. So these two came out around the same time and it was like a competition of which one is better. And Meg had a very wrong opinion for a long time and I'll let her defend <laughs> not even, No, Not even a but, wrong but, opinion. But most, people, mm. but, but most people decided the prestige was the better one of the two. But I just wanted—I mainly just put this on here because it would—I guess it would kind of feel weird not to mention that there was this competition there. So, Carla, did you see the, Have you seen the Illusionist? Did you like? Yeah,
4: the I, I actually watched them the, both the year that they came out. Yeah, and I, you know, my husband and I. Um, oh wait, we weren't together at that point. No, but we had—we ended up rewatching them later. Anyway, the point is that I watched them both very close to one another and the illusionist is really more of a story of star-crossed lovers and very little to do about actual magic um except for you know like that's just the like kind of the gambit to help you know push the story along whereas with the prestige i think it it it's definitely more about rivalry but it uses the magic better than the illusionist does i I mean hands down the prestige is the one that i favor i think that the 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 writing the acting the score the cinematography okay so it's just it's just a better movie okay like okay yes it's just a better movie for sure
3: less sepia tone yes
4: yeah and it's also just more interesting like I said, the other one is just about star crush lovers, and that is covered ad nauseum throughout the years in film, TV, and and books. Also, I had more crushes on the people in the Prestige than I did on the people in the Illusionist, so that helps me as well.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, very, very, very true. So Meg, you I didn't know have a, that a
3: big crush on
2: Paul Giamatti. <laughs>
4: okay listen he don't was talk about one. Paul Giamatti
3: I know I love Paul Giamatti so okay so here's the thing and I found this so interesting so I watched these first these movies when they came out right away and I was very much in the illusionist camp but I was also very much in the time in my life where I really just really enjoyed romance and the more tragic the romance the better And I didn't see the prestige as having any kind of romance, it was just these two assholes who were like destroying themselves and each other and everyone around them for a magic show. (laughs) And also, I really got into a Rufus Sewell kick because I think he is amazing. (laughs) He always plays bad guys, but I just I love him. He does it so well, and I love him so much. And he has the face for an evil prince of like eastern european descent like he he just does he was made for this role and this is like the illusionist feels like if you give me all the ingredients to bake a really good cake but i am not a baker i'm going to mess this cake up like i have all of the ingredients i have romance i have some really really good actors and jessica Fields there too <laughs> Like I have the, the, the stuff to make a good cake, but it just doesn't come come to it. And I think what's so frustrating now watching it again and watching The Prestige, The Prestige is a much better movie just as far as the story and the structure and the actual, th- if you look at the themes of of the movie and how they interweave the whole prestige and the whole magic trick throughout the movie and how they like just, it so works together so beautifully and the illusionist is like oh yes i fell in love with the duchess and she was betrothed to a prince and i made an orange tree grow and then i did some weird stuff to make fake spirits show up and they never you never really get to know what that's called what causes that like we're supposed to believe that he actually has some power to conjure up the dead because they never explained it the prestige you know how all the tricks work like you know how it all works they tell you how it works but but i watched these both back to back this week like i did i went from the prestige to the illusionist because i was just like i remember loving the illusionist so much And being so frustrated watching The Prestige. And I think it was 100% because I was there for, uh, I wanted to watch a romance that had some magic in it.
2: I don't remember anything from this movie, so I (laughs) probably won't say much. So I know, Tiff, you have to go. What if you are you? Oh, do you want to go now or do you?
0: Yeah, I do have to run, but I don't know what Meg was thinking when she was loving The Illusionist back in the day. <laughs>
3: but <laughs> I was really into Moulin Rouge at the same yeah. time, I feel oh, like.
0: Okay, well, I get that. I get that. But she's right, because it did have all that and all those ingredients, but it did not work as as a film. It did not. But shout out to Rufus Suwell because the hair, the eyes. The
3: mustache. He had the an mustache. amazing mustache.
0: Mm, chef's kiss on that but I do have to run it's been a blast it's been a gas Thank you, Tim. <laughs> it's been fantastic. you can say where people
2: can find you too if you'd, you'd like to find them. me
0: it's on the screen At
2: Lewis, <laughs> <if it's me. laughs> that's true I could have just
0: said that. <laughs> my and my Abby is a grumpy cat right now that's that's my theme for 2022 is just grumpy cats so if you think it's not me it's me it's a grumpy cat all month long <laughs> Tiff. <laughs> Tiff, is a
2: grumpy cat. I am a grumpy cat. Thank you. I love you, Tiff. <laughs> love you I'm all. Bye-bye. See you next time. Bye. And then Paula, did you see the illusionist and did you like the illusionist at all? I did see the illusionist. We also saw them
1: cuz they came out like two or three months apart from like, each other. Yeah. We saw them. There yeah. was a weird yeah. rivalry like you could like weird. one yeah. or the
3: other. You could yeah. not yeah.
1: like them both. Well, I I remember I, have, I haven't rewatched it, but I remember enjoying it when I saw it. And, I, I, yes, I'm on the Rufus Sewell bandwagon here. So, yes. but We all agree on this. All <laughs> agree on that. But The Prestige is just a much better movie. Especially, you know, I, I know we didn't go in more into the, the, the twist of the show, but or the movie, but they telegraph that all throughout the movie and the way they wove it in you saw it you blatantly saw it and then you forgot about it until they spelled it out again at the end And you're like how did i miss this and it was Mm -hmm. just i think the storytelling of the prestige was just much better done than the illusionist and i don't know maybe i just And, and normally i love you know period romance stories but that one just i don't know maybe it was sorry, but maybe it was because it was Jessica Biel and I don't think she and Norton had really good chemistry. That probably took me out of it, but I remembered enjoying it at the time, but looking back, I don't think it's as good of a movie as as the prestige is. Well, and, and the prestige is
3: just...
2: It was just a better story. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to end with um, just giving some facts about what I thought was really interesting that I just looked up as far as like <laughs> the ratings for these movies. And then that's all. I'm gonna. And then we're going to wrap up. The Prestige uh, has a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 92% audience score. It has an 8.5 on IMDb and then a 66 on Metacritic. And then this is really interesting to me because Metacritic is actually a little bit more um, <laughs> prestigious. And then The Illusionist actually has a 68 on Metacritic a 7.6 on IMDb and then a 73% Rotten Tomatoes and then 87% audience. So they're actually not as divided as I thought they would be. So that's all I wanted. I'll just say that. I, I don't remember the illusionist at all. I didn't want to watch it before this because it we weren't really, it's not about the illusionist, but I just wanted to talk about their little thing there. So we're going to wrap up and go around and have everybody say where they can be found. Carla.
4: You can find the podcast that I co-host with Meg called Bed, Wet, Behead Podcast on any podcast carrier. Our Twitter handle is at pod. Our Instagram is at pod. You can find me at Carla on both Instagram and Twitter or my website, carlatemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S. And you can read an article that I recently wrote that is Currently on the Insider, just look up my name on their little search thingy, and it's like the one article that I've written for them. So it'll be there, waiting for your eyes. Yeah, you remembered it this. I remember this time.
2: (laughs) Awesome. So, Meg, where can they find
3: you? you? Can find me in the podcast I host with Carla. Obviously, our podcast is all the things that Carla just told you. If you want to find me personally, you can find me on the Twitter at Wisconsin Just W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. Other than that,
4: I am nowhere. <laughs>
3: wow, that was dark.
4: Make us adrift
3: I am in an ocean
4: a- of despair.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Paula, where can I find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at It's My Sandbox.
2: This is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you, oh, on TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. We've got some cool little Christian Bale TikToks up there that are very popular. So uh, go watch those. And if you would like to be a potential interview guest on the show, Christian, you are welcome anytime. I will bump all my panelists for you.
3: (laughs) Except
2: for Carla. Just drop Carla, my name.
3: And he'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> yeah. her. Yeah.
2: Except for <laughs> Carla, because Carla has to be there to help interview you. But with the exception of Carla, all of you will be dead. You're <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I will drop it all. <laughs> <to> interview you. <laughs> so reach out to me at it's a fandom thing at gmail.com i'm so sad i can't say next week on christian mail <laughs> i'm so sad about this it's so pathetic I'm sad I
4: <laughs> no it's a beautiful tribute to what a fantastic actor he is that we covered how many of his movies and there's still enough to cover another month For next years. year come oh, and, on and even and beyond, beyond. <laughs> yes yeah.
2: But next week, uh, we have two great episodes coming your way. We have an interview with, if you were on, if you watched our One Hit Wonders live stream, we had a mystery guest in our comments that ended up being the author of Neo Chronicles Nexus, Dean White. So we're going to have an interview with Dean White. I'm very excited for that. And then we're going to be talking about Insecure which I'm re-watching right now. I didn't finish it, so it's also like I'm re-watching the beginning and then finishing it. So Carla will be back for that one along with, with Megan, not Meg, Megan. And then Jen, my podcast brain twin, will also be on that one. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. And then remember, Sunday we are continuing to celebrate Christian Bale on a live stream only for his birthday it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be giving away prizes. We're going to have trivia. I'm sure Christian will be making an appearance. Christian, quote unquote. Uh, so he doesn't <laughs> I'm sure he'll be making an appearance. Maybe the real Christian will be making an appearance. Just kidding, but <laughs> who knows? And there will be marshmallows galore for everybody. So that will be, we decided, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So it'll be a lot of fun. And also keep an eye on our social media because we're going to be doing a live tweet of at least, Well, either The Procedure or The Dark Knight. I'm going to flip a coin, but who knows? Maybe it'll end up being both of them. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Long live Christian Bale!
1: 18- plus.